Nine out of ten forest fires are caused by little fires. Matches. Cigarettes. Campfires. Trash fires. And if you've been watching, you know who causes the little fire. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. The Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror! <laughs> Hello, kitties! I know we just finished up Friday the 13th, but it's time to go camping again! This month we have a freak's choice, and it was picked out by Little Hair Metal Hero, and is a bumper cropsy of gore called The Burning. Cause a killer ain't a killer till he's licking good fried. Alright, keep on the sunny side everyone. Hello, and welcome to the Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror, a podcast often described as being similar to the sound of gargling cocks. No! I'm Chris Honeywell, and that was a joke from before the podcast started. But now you get to know what kind of crew that you're dealing with. We've got Mr. Sean Engel. Dave one. Who only partially watched the um, movie, so he'll only be gargling part of a cock tonight. Um, <laughs> you've got Luke Giaconetti. Hey, you want so lube, buddy? You buy him yourself, okay? You took my fucking line, dude. Yes, <laughs> You cocksucker. You cock gaggler. That's why I didn't use that line. <laughs> and we have the brother of Luke, Jason. Pork him. <laughs> <laughs> And we have the man who needs a new line, the hair metal hero. Uh, any movie that gives me two fade to reds, I'm all over. <laughs> and of course, we're talking about, of course, we're talking about the burning that, <laughs> the burn. that legendary horror movie. This is legendary. This is, your, this is a Miramax this is, joint. This is your, this yeah. is this is your pick, hero. So. Yeah, so the burning doesn't matter who the director is; he's a nobody. It, but what matters is that this is this is early Bob and Harvey Weinstein, yep. purveyors of fine art, getting into the slasher game. Uh, I, I, and it I'd would also, be very. I'd also uh, like to point out that the Weinstein's would, uh, of course, in Seinfeld did produce an episode called "The Burning" in the final season of Seinfeld. Oh wow! <laughs> is that the Puerto Rican Day Parade one? No, it is the one with uh, the "You're going to hell," you know, with uh, with Putty and uh, Elaine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a devil! Um, a devil! Don't mess with the eight ball. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like I said, early Miramax joint <laughs> coming hot off the heels of the success of Friday the 13th. You could say it is the most derivative of the Friday the 13th knockoffs, and you would not be wrong. And this movie would probably be largely forgotten if it wasn't a Miramax movie that has some very early roles for Holly Hunter, Fisher Stevens, and George Costanza himself. But uh, it also has effects by Tom Savini, which is why this one continues to get watched uh, in the horror circles. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, the, as we're recording this, what, what movies get on Rotten Tomatoes has suddenly become like the be-all, end-all of all discussion. This film holds a 100% fresh rating on Rotten right. Tomatoes. So stick that in your pipe and smoke it and then get killed by somebody because it's a slasher movie. Mm-hmm. Savini, Savini actually turned down Friday the 13th Part 2 to do this. Um, he had, well, that for the reason of, he said that, they said, well, Jason's going to be the killer. And he goes, there is no Jason. He died. He, he was, so there's yeah. no movie. So he felt that it was a joke. He's like, all right. So he did this instead. <laughs> yeah, it's that's... funny because when the battle of the clerical error. That's when right. I was watching this and they're like, Cropsy, I'm like, why does that sound familiar? And it's because I have the, well, A, because I saw this movie a few years back because Hero like, sent me the link to it on YouTube once. And I was yeah, like, this one's on YouTube, uncut. Uh-huh. And um, two, because as a kid, I'd gotten the, the uh, Tom Savini basically Bible on gore effects and my copy is like the third printing, and it's called Bizarro. It had another title when it first came out. I can't remember what it is. But it has a whole section on the burning and how he did all the effects of it. So whenever I saw anybody get killed, it was an immediate flashback because I knew exactly what, you know. I'm like, oh, that guy's sticking his head over some sandbags right now, you know. <laughs> but, but... Boy, they were good effects. They were very effective. Yeah, yeah there's not oh, a yeah. ton in the movie, but they do. But when they you happen, feel them. they happen very. They're very well executed, so to speak. Well, it's it's like the Merchant Ivory version of Friday the Thirteenth. <laughs> I mean, you when you when you finally look back at this, I mean, from our standpoint today, we know the Weinstein's behind just a bunch of very classy art films. Yes, they've done some some schlocky horror films they've done films with uh kevin smith and all that but this this feels like it's supposed to be it's supposed to be a higher quality of the slasher flick and uh, from what i saw it kind of pales in comparison to the friday 13th it doesn't see i think it's a better film than friday the 13th i'll be the scandalous one i a lot of the a lot of the the acting going on is is you know, people. It seems like they're just naturally like in a camp. Yeah. It's it's that's right. what that's what they 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 really captured. And it's funny to say camp. It's campy. Yeah. But like when I was watching the the you know the scenes for one, they got real teenagers. Yeah. Very mm-hmm. much, and it's funny. Very much, I was gonna say like Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and it even shares an actor from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. <laughs> but um. That, that, like when they had the, the, you know, they're all eating dinner and you see them all sort of spazzing out before dinner. I started just watching all the background, you know, yeah. uh, kids. Yeah. And there's one kid with a salt shaker and he's shaking his salt shaker all over the place. They were all just doing stuff and spazzy kids. And it, it was mm-hmm. almost like they wrangled a real group of kids. Yeah, the, the one camp. that. 
Yeah, the, the way that, that kind of the feeling I got from this, one of my favorite of the early 80s slashers is Sleepaway Camp, which came out a couple of years after this, 1983. But Sleepaway Camp uh, is kind of the same way. It features a lot of kids. They're more believable as actual campers. They're real kids, the way, yeah. Right, the way that they act is more believable than in some of the early Friday the 13th, the way the campers act. So the burning, to me, is sort of like the halfway step between you know Friday the 13th and Friday the 13th Part 2 and then Sleepaway Camp. It kind of exists kind of straddling that gra- that middle ground there because I, that was the thing I took away from this. It goes, yeah, the, the effects are fantastic. The story is is nothing special. I do like that they do incorporate Cropsy, which, I mean, I mean, you know, I grew up in New York. I had heard the, the legend of Cropsy. I'd never, you know, you know, not at a camp I'd ever went to, but I knew that was like a New York legend. So I thought that was pretty neat. But it kind of straddles it a little bit because I, the, the kids are believable. The way that they act, even Jason Alexander being like the wise guy that you know has must have the fake ID that can buy everybody shit for him and all that. I kind of it was more believable than a lot of the characters you got in the Friday the Thirteenth films, especially as the series went on and they just became more and more just stock characters. Here they really seemed like the relationships between not just the, the boys and the girls, but in, in, in between the groups of boys and in the group of girls seem to be more realistic to me. Well, the, the reason, some of that reason is, because uh, I, I watched the Blu-ray, uh, which is crystal clear, and, and the effects hold up on the Blu-ray, by the way, for those who haven't, who just watched it online. Um, what they did was they brought them all up to Buffalo, and they put they them in a hotel. They brought them up to Buffalo! Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. One so, thing we're um, missing on the show. Yeah, thank God. Musical theater. So they brought him up to Buffalo and they had him there for uh, like a little before a week when they were getting everything ready. And they were at Lake Takawanda, if I can read that correctly. It's in upstate New York. It's somewhere between Buffalo and Albany. Sounds like Tonawanda, maybe. Tonawanda. Maybe it's Tonawanda, right? I'm writing this as I'm watching stuff. So I'm trying to write quickly. Um, There could be Lake Tonawanda. That that probably sounds more. That's probably more correct. That's up. But it's up between, uh, between Buffalo and Albany. And so it's upstate New York. So it's actually a real camp. They went to a real place. So it looks like a real camp because it is a real camp. And they filmed it in upstate New York where it's supposed to be taking place. Um, and what happened was they didn't have a big budget, obviously. So they said to everyone, well, just wear the clothes you're wearing. And that's their clothes. So they got to wear whatever they wanted to wear. That's what they were going to wear in the movie. So that's their real clothes. There was no, there was no uh, like, you know, um, wardrobe, wardrobe people. Yeah. So what it was, they just wore what they wanted to wear. And then what happened was you had young they're all either their first movie or some might be their second movie but most of them this is their very very early in their career and um you have they but they live together in this hotel and one of the rooms of the hotel became the editing suite and one of the rooms of the hotel became where they had the breakfast set up every morning for them they took over a hotel and they all lived there and they went out at night they went to a, they went to a concert that the Weinsteins was promoting they lived together so what you're seeing is real kids who actually became good friends over a summer and if you think about it, like Jason Alexander Jason Alexander's in it it's his first movie right he plays Dave uh, Fisher Stevens who we know from Short Circuit is uh, Woodstock Holly Hunter who you don't see much in this movie is Sophie um, but uh, Ned Eisenberg uh, who's Eddie um, it's actually his third film, and his first film was called a movie called The Exterminator, as some of people I oh, have, yeah. Movie, right? Yeah. Um, but he might be best known uh, from Law and Order. He's one of, and Law and Order SVU as one of the, the defense attorneys. And Holy you look shit. at, yeah, it's him, dude. <laughs> I looked at him like, oh my, he's so young, but his hair already started to recede a little bit, yeah, and it's helps. really receded there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But you kind of look at them, and they're not really all actors. They're either their first role, and you can see, again, you can kind of see that they got kids to act like kids. And uh, Michelle was, uh, that's uh, uh, Leah Ayers. She had never, she she had been in a couple movies, but she was a modern dancer who couldn't make any money at modern dance. So she said, what can I do? I can, I can, I can sing, I can dance, and I can act. There ain't no money in dancing. I ain't making no money singing, so she started acting. And um, and then the and then the uh, they brought her in, and then they wound up getting the guy who played Glazer's uh, Larry Joshua, who's oh, actually yeah. who's actually older than both Leah Ayers, that's Michelle, and Brian Matthews, who's Todd. He's actually older than them, and he actually was. Um, I'm trying to think, well, Brian Matthews was from Saint Bar uh, Santa Barbara, The Young and the Restless, Days Days of Our Lives. Um, let's see, yeah. He think he was one of them's from there, but they, they were they were character actors. They became actors later on. So he has a lot of young talent acting like kids. So those scenes when they're like crying and upset, it's because they didn't tell them what was happening, and they got them upset. And and what and Laura uh, Ayers spoke of this at length. She um she's not a horror fan. She doesn't like blood and guts. She doesn't like these kind of movies. So they purposely didn't tell her things that were going to happen to get her real response. So when you see. Uh, in the water when she when she finds the body that's the first and only take they ever did it's her <laughs> real terrified response she freaked out and they filmed it and they were like awesome and she's like why didn't you tell me that was going to happen they said because that's exactly what we want and um it's kind of funny because you think about like nowadays you have let's think about this we talked about this movie a couple movies back the friday the 13th remake right they're all supposed to be teenagers, right? They're all pretty, perfect teenagers. That's not what we have here in the burn. No. No. Nope. no. That's, and that's one of the things I thought was great about this movie. These people were real people. These mm-hmm. weren't, you know, you know, six-packs abs and, you know, double-D no, breasts. There yeah, was no, no one nobody, there. Nobody was winning the perfect titty competition. In not this in this movie. movie. No. Dep- Maybe Jason um, Alexander. Um, yeah, Jason Alexander. Pardon, pardon me. It depends on what your definition of the perfect titty is. I'm in my mouth. There you go. You know, so actually, what, what's funny, Jay, you talking you about go. all Jay, you talking about all this stuff about them all living together. <clears throat> so what you're saying is this is the true story of seven strangers picked to live <laughs> work together and have their lives taped to find out what happens when people start being polite it's and start killed. getting killed. <laughs> the real world, the burning. <laughs> Uh, if only they would have killed off Judd Winnick, I would have been happier. Oh, oh, oh come on, oh, oh, No, he's hey, hey, hey. Judd Winnick. Judd Winnick is no Ben Rabe, and you know it. Okay, I will give you that. <laughs> no. Yes, uh, I would pick Judd Winnick over Ben Rabe. Uh, you know, seven times a week and twice on Sundays. <laughs> the only thing that that kind of was off, I thought, about you know, besides like the the you know, not the greatest acting and whatever was what was with the scene at the beginning in the city with the hooker. I oh, think no. that was just editing because they needed a kill before they got to the camp. Right, but then again, right, because it, it, but then again, if your body was burned that badly and you couldn't do anything anymore, what would the only way you'd be able to derive any sort of pleasure is by murdering. Right. But it, just, seemed it, really it, re- seemed, yeah. it didn't seem to, re- it was like, it was it, it set almost, in a place. It, it was set in some place. It was we were never going to see again the city, and it was just sort of there to establish. We know this guy's going to be the guy who's there killing them. Probably, I guess it's there to set up the the scissors motif, you know. And that scene really reminded me of Maniac. 
It does. You know, because like in Maniac, it's where super sleazy, right? It's super but then, sleazy, but it, but it's and, it, and it's with a prostitute, but there's nothing sexualized about it. I agree with you, Chris. I'm not, I Chris Hero. It's I think that scene is there. Well, I think it's there, like you say, because we got to get a kill there early it's, on. No, because otherwise, there's no kills till almost mm-hmm. the end of the movie. Well, the re- the reason one of the things they did there. This, he's in the hospital, right? And he's and he's burnt, right? And he shoots the hand up and grabs the the orderly's arm, who uh, you know, who's who's they're showing it to him, uh, which actually was inspired by the scene from Mad Max. His when he's ah, when they, yeah, exactly what it is. And actually, they, they talk about that. They go, the music well, we for cues almost exactly the same. It is because they, they said well, we just basically ripped that off of Mad Max. They talk about that, <laughs> um, and they're like, we just we saw Mad Max. We ripped that right off from there. The whole point of that—you would have thought stat- they would have ripped it off from the end of Carrie, like Friday the Thirteenth did. But yeah, no, but, you know. <laughs> but no, the guy's arms burned; he's not dead. So uh, this is so, true. This is true. Yeah. So the whole the, the thing is that the, the, what they're trying to establish there is they were trying to show they they actually filmed. Um, there was a there was a whole slew of more cropsy stuff that they filmed throughout the entire movie. Uh, not necessarily more kills, but more of him and more of seeing him and stuff. And and the director. Um, Mayland, uh, I don't have his first name, but yeah, he he was he was a British director. Tony. He did a lot of Tony Mayland. Thank you. Tony. He, <laughs> he felt. Who is Teddy? That... <laughs> what what is Teddy? I mean Teddy. <laughs> so he felt that he needed to cut him back more. But that that scene, and because they, I mean, I don't exactly know exactly what it was, and never went into detail. But they said they had so much more of Cropsey there, so it leads me to believe that maybe there was more to that. Maybe there was more of him just. Um, you know, walking around and being shunned by people and really, like, you know, whatever. I like how they give him just the voiceover advice of the, hey, you know, you should probably just get over your... <laughs> yeah, just get over <laughs> just it, get buddy. Just get over it, walk it off, sport. All right, that's It was good. the 80s, man. You had to, you know... <laughs> All right, well, here you are. They they roll his wheelchair out into the street. It's funny, <laughs> in that in that burns, when he gets burned, right, the legs you see kicking are Savini's legs. Because they had no one to do it. Savini's like, oh, I'll do it. And he, he, he goes, I've read all about this. The problem was they set him on fire and everything starts burning. And he has all the, the, the stuff on him. But he's like, holy crap, it's really freaking hot. <laughs> he was boiling. He was so, feeling like broiling like a lobster. He said. Yeah, exactly. So he's kicking and kicking and kicking, right? And then and then when he goes out the door, that's actually, I forgot his name. It's, he's, he's one of the most famous stuntmen ever. It's his son. Yeah. yeah. Died on the, in, on the accident on, on Airwolf. They uh, they have the whole place set up with uh, rubber cement, and the whole point is gonna, they're going to kick the thing and it's going to go on fire, right? Well, the problem is um, when they're inside the house, Savini's in the house with his crew. He kicked the lamp over by accident, and it set the whole place on fire. Jesus. That's why you see the whole place go on fire, and he doesn't come out the door very quickly. They're like, shit, what do we do? So he so he shoved him against the wall to set him on fire. So the guy set on fire, and he runs out the door, and you hear him on the making of They're like, go towards the tree. The tree, go the tree. Like, they're trying <laughs> no, to get geez. the shot because they know they can't do it. Guys in fifteen layers of yeah. <laughs> they're screaming at him, the tree, the tree, and you see this poor kid, and he's a kid. He's like nineteen or twenty years old. He's his first time doing it, and he's like, "No, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be like a something like my dad." And he falls to the ground, and he's burning, and they put him out. Right. The problem was they knew they weren't going to film another one because they burnt the living hell. Of, the place is an inferno. And you can't see it in the shot, but they Savini and his crew have to like bail out the back, or they're going to die, because they had to get out the back of the thing because the whole place caught on fire. And it's it's like in in part seven of Friday the Thirteenth when they like, well, what's in here? They have enough. They blow it up, and good thing they shot it once because they blew the house up so bad they couldn't get another shot of it. <laughs> they aren't getting another shot of this. <laughs> like, 
that Shaq is gone. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, that's, I, I mean, I think part of that might have been that. It might have been part of those scenes where they were, they were cut out and, and they were trying to tell more of a story. I mean, this idea started out, um, obviously, it's based on the Cropsey. Uh, um, it's based on the Cropsey uh, you know, urban legend. Urban legend yeah. and, and they really just were trying to like tie it in to make it like, like it, it's really New York. It's really a city. Like they're trying to tie these things in. I mean, you know, I mean, that's not, and, and they don't show you enough of the city to tell if it's really New York City or not. It feels right? like New York City, though. It does, but it could be part of Buffalo for all we know because they yeah. shot it very little, you know, kind of thing. And, and, you know, and they weren't, and everything was shot. In an actual place, there is no nothing here was shot in a soundstage. There's not like you know the like the the copper mine at the end is a real copper mine. The you know the campsite's a real campsite. They just shot at a campsite. There was none nothing done on a soundstage. So I I really wonder how much uh, was cut leading up to that. Maybe afterwards, him kind of like you know being like rejected and allowing him to kind of really take on that you know not heeding those words that you should just get over it. You know, I tell my kids, build a bridge and get over yourself, you know, and go back. <laughs> yeah, but usually they're not burned head to toe. Into That's a... true. They're not. They're not. They aren't awesome. usually wielding uh, uh, the, the um, you know, they're not usually wielding uh, you know, head, uh, head shears, head you know, head See, clippers. It's funny because when the first time I'm watching this, you know, he ends up in the hospital and those things in hospitals. Like, is this going to be like hospital massacre where the whole movie <laughs> takes place in the hospital? You being visiting hours? Is that the same movie? I don't know. Okay. Not except for Shatner. Got Shatner in it. Shatner. Well, Shatner wasn't in Hospital Massacre, so it must be two different movies. <laughs> no, but it, I mean, it, it really, like I said, it. I mean, it, it was neat, and it to me, it's it's a it's a fun scene just because we get to see the 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 effect of the woman getting stabbed with the scissors, mm-hmm. which is actually again really well done. I mean, just really well done. It, it reminds very... me a lot, and, and I should take this opportunity to bring up the Rick Wakeman music. Oh, Which yeah. is alternately a ripoff of Halloween and um, like Italian movies. Mm-hmm. It has a very that very cheesy Italian sound to it. And that first murder reminded me a lot of like was it Profundo Rosso that had oh, the he's got black gloves on? He's man, got black gloves and he stabs her. It's exactly like Profundo. And, and, Rosso. and yeah. it's like and it's not just a stab. It goes in and twists around. And then you know, spray. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's it, the the shot lingers and it was and I was like, "Oh, this is going to be almost like sort of Friday the 13th reminded me a little of some of the Italian the first Friday the 13th especially." And uh it should it's a rip off of another movie. But as it, as as it went on, the music went more towards the just John Carpenter. It went towards like the Halloween heart, heartbeat music. Yeah. But not as interesting. Halloween had Halloween had more variation. <laughs> but not as interesting. Well, well, kind of just... well, this one, it was just dum 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 dum. But Halloween threw in a ding, 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 ding. And like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> This you know, is were, the kind of in-depth analysis that we have come. This is the in-depth analysis we have come to expect <laughs> from the Vault of Startling Monster Horror. But it's true. There were, there, in the Halloween, there were a bunch of little variations of it, and it was a, it was a lot cagier and and more intricate than it seemed, you know. And this wasn't when when it, no. was, it was just thudding. And at the beginning, it was really interesting, but after a while, I was not. At, at first, I was like, "All right, Rick, Rick Wakeman, this is going to be interesting." Nope, not really. Yeah. 
but uh, it, it's it's funny like you say they, they they do that scene in the city and then we go to the camp and then it's like forget all of that we're here in the camp now and shit is about to get real um, but they but do yeah. they it's really good how they alternate between the really sunny happy you know goofy campiness into the the blood and you know death yeah, at the end I yeah, I mean, like, all the kills are during the day in this. Yeah. Well, the no, every, they, they, up until the kills no, start... No, they, uh, they kill Glazer at night, don't they? Glazer and his... And Sally? Uh, uh oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's shot... I, my, my note is actually very egregious day for night is how that is shot. But oh, yeah, there's no continuity. Well, they're all scene. shot day for night. There are no yeah. night scenes in the entire it's, movie. It's like, it, again, again, Sean will appreciate this. I think this was shot day for crap in this scene here. But yeah. No, I'm, I'm just, I'm not, no, no, that, that's a misty bit. But the, yeah, the, the day for night is, is really funny. But it, it, you're right. A lot of the kills take place during the day. There's a lot of menace going on during the day. Another sleepaway camp sort of thing. Something sleepaway camp would use a few years later. And uh, Chris, you were talking about the scenes in the, um, like in the mess hall. You know, that, again, that's something that they would do that they, that would be ripped off a few years later with Sleepaway Camp using the real kids. And you got the sense that this was a real functioning camp. Well, what I, I liked keep... about it is kids are smoking, they're swearing, there's, yeah, and there's, the... a lot of, there's a lot of sex, but it's very, it's very teenage. It's like when, you know, people are saying sexual things and then there's a bunch of like pubo yeah. girls going, <laughs> Hey, I, and, and I tell you what, one thing I really like, both of the girls who we see uh, nude in this, both have, you know, uh, they're come on to by their boyfriends, and both of them, you know, normally in an F-13 movie, you expect, okay, the good girl's going to be the one who's uh, prissy, but the other girls are going to all be promiscuous. Whereas here, both Sally and Karen, you know, are, are not into it. Right. You know? I mean, Karen outright rejects the guy, and he gets all pissed no, off. They, 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 they see how douchey the douchey guy is in right. the movie, but I mean, they usually that, don't. That alone, to me, made this more realistic than a lot of the F-13s. I mean, you know, I mean, we were all in high school. You know, we know that most girls are not just going to say, yeah, we're in the woods. Let's fuck. You know, that's not going to happen. I went to an all-guys high well, school, so that now never it happens. happens. Nowadays, yeah, I mean, nowadays, geez, you walk to class, you see three vaginas. But that's, again, that's nowadays. Back in the 80s and 90s, that wasn't the case. So, you know, that to me was, was made it ring more true than some of these F-13 ones where the, the girls just are, are hopping into the sleeping bag, so to speak. Whereas here, I thought that was a more realistic response, and it made me a little more involved with the character because, okay, she's not just here to show her tits. There's actually some and a, and level of, what, what of... What was the name character. of the douchiest douchey guy? Glazer. Glazer. Okay, so Glazer... He's, oh, my God. And, and I'm watching him, I'm like, all right, this ever. is like way overacting. Or whatever, yep. and you know it's way overdone with the creepy, you know, with him not liking the creepy kid. But the creepy kid was genuinely kind of creepy. Creepy. He was kind yeah. of a looker, and uh, but and I was sort of like, all right, this is just sort of broad and whatever. But then, like two or three seasons later, they would have him in the bunk. And, yeah. You know, Glazer's like, you're, you know, I'm gonna make your life hell and stuff. But then they would be in the bunk together. And Glazer was just sort of hanging out with everybody, and I was like, "All right, that's like real. That's like real kids, you know. They'll, yeah. they'll be fighting yeah. one minute, and then the, right. they're forced to be in the place together. They'll they'll get along, you know." Right, but he doesn't like him. That's the clear. They don't. They don't like clear. each other or whatever. But they're still. But they're, they're still, still got to do it. Right. Fairly exactly. peacefully. They have. They have to. They have to all room together in the same. You know, guys. Uh, whatever. Cabin. And yeah. cabin. 
And Glazer's like, he doesn't, he's still being a dick to him, but he's like, well, this is where I, this he's, is where I sleep, subdu- so I got to be here. And, yeah. But he's having, he's interspersing his dickishness with moments of where sometimes he'll just seriously like be like, what, you really think that, you know, or something, you know. It, yeah. it was a, well, it you was know, a it is. I mean, you usually every... don't see in these kinds of movies. Usually right. they're just a flat out dick. Yeah. And, all and, and the even, time. and even the girls to a lesser extent were kind of the same way because, you know, they, they're all acting together. It's not like in, I keep coming back to this because it's very derivative of this movie. It's not like in Sleepaway Camp with Meg, the bitch. It's like, that's Meg. M E G. Right. You know, there's no yes. obvious queen bee bitch all the the yeah. older girls are nice the campers get along it's like this is more yeah, what i would expect she's nelly from from um little house, little the house of the yeah. Prairie. yeah yeah so and 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 one other thing when when sally goes and takes a shower she starts washing her hair it's like no this is a horror movie everyone knows in a horror movie you get soap in your eyes then you soap your breasts and soap your breasts and soap your breasts and then you hear a sound you stop for a second, look around, and then go back to soaping your breasts a few more times. That's how you take a shower in a movie. That's how I you keep wash, mine clean. You don't wash your fucking hair. Someday, like, you know. someday I hope you get to be a director, Luke, because I want to see that play out. <laughs> Do you want me to be in the show, Luke? <laughs> yes. I mean, Hero, you got the nicest rack of the show, so I don't see why not. That so. might be Sean, actually. Well, I have been working out. Um... Well, Sean, Sean's, ha- Sean's hairless. Naturally. I have been eating more, so. Um, one of the things that you mentioned about the girls being so good is it is it does emphasize the times when they do try and interact with the guys that the guys come off as kind of rapey. The scene, yeah. the you know, the scene where you know the he's kind of luring the girl into the water to go skinny dipping, and she's like, "Well, okay, I guess I'll do it." And you know, when she does reject him, you know, he's like, "No, you've got to come here," and he forcibly tries to to put himself on, uh, put himself on this girl. And it's, it, it, it kind of, for me up the creep factor. And I, I guess it makes it more realistic because at the time, you know, you're in the water with a girl who's naked as a, as a, boy, there was shrinkage. Well, as that <laughs> was shrinkage. it shows the difference in cultural, that, that scene would not have been the scene would have, in that, in when this movie came out, it was like, yeah, that guy's a dick. Yeah, but people wouldn't be like, "Oh, rapey," you know. Yeah. And immediately, yeah. that's what we think now because it is. Mm-hmm. But back but in the, the days, it would have been just like, "Ah, that's just a guy being a jackass." Yeah, that's, that's just the, the yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> the time in the 1980s. That's a guy who's you know got a naked girl but, in front of him. He wants to have some. He thinks it's going to happen, and it doesn't. So, but, he but ends at, the, at the same time, like, and uh, do you guys remember the movie like Little Darlings? Yes. And yep. stuff Which like version? That. The real version or the porno version? <laughs> the the real version. Cool. It was about Jodie Foster, right? It was, oh, it was a Tatum O'Neill. Tatum O'Neill, yeah. yeah. It was another Foster, one with Jodie Foster in, with a in. summer camp. But, you know, it was that 70s thing where, you know, like the girls, like I, my first girlfriend in college was from Brooklyn. And she was, you know. Did she sound like Spataro? What? What's that? Did she sound like Spataro? She could. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> the closer did you, did you we look got, like the closer we got to the goatee. The goatee was awesome. The closer we got to hey, Brooklyn, hey, you know, hey, wait a minute, you know, out. wait a minute. I, I'm, I'm from New York and I'm Italian. You know how they pick the uh, the prom queen at a Catholic least school? Least hairy arms. Yeah, the, no, the girl with the with the with the least hair on her face. My buddy Jr. was prom queen three times in a row. <laughs> in our high school. <laughs> 
And if you know my buddy JR, you know why that's funny right there. Yeah. <laughs> Forget about it. Yeah. But yeah, but 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 like in that time, the seventies and into the eighties, not as much into the eighties, it was as more in the seventies. Like kids kids were pretty you know we say kids are pretty sophisticated now they were just if not more sophisticated and cynical and like tried drugs and stuff by the time kids had gotten to summer camp most of the girls were more experienced than the guys but they just acted not but when you got all the girls alone things got the talk got more pornographic and horrifying you know more cigarettes came out you know what i mean the girls were tougher not tougher but they were more more experienced than in movies like this so you know yeah like like i said i mean it's it, I, it's the jody foster factor that and that's i think kind of what what made the the non-killy parts of this movie interesting to me was that it really did seem like it was a more they had to because there were really yeah. a lot of non-killy parts to this whole movie. Yeah, I mean, well, that's a, get... a lot of these slasher movies from this era do because they can't afford it. Right. I mean, there you get scene you get scenes in some movies that go on forever because wow, this is cheap. Let's film as much of this as we can. Right. And I have to. I had to laugh again. There's a. There's a. They're playing softball at the beginning of this. And again, to jiggly, back, jiggly softball, jiggly softball. Oh my God. In, <laughs> there's a. There is a softball scene in Sleepaway Camp that lasts approximately three weeks. And it's, it's like. <laughs> so it's like okay, it's cheap. Keep filming it. Keep filming yeah. it. The whole game. The whole game. Yeah, but, everything well, when they're talking to get, the pitcher. We, we the guy sprains his ankle. Everything. Yes. We we get Tiger's entire you know ex- exploration of the woods to find the ball. <laughs> Tiger's off looking. No, oh, that's know, the setup. That's the setup. The Cropsey's already there. You know, I understand. What I'm saying is, but she's looking. Yeah. And then I mean, she finds she, a when bunny. She, when, and she, then yeah, she's, when she broke out the metal detector, it's like, oh come on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, you know, it's not even is, made of metal. Well, that's the way you, you get this shot there. He's in the woods looking, and you know the the uh, the. So they put Vaseline on the camera. Yep. Right. It's all burnt. So yeah, give it well, that gauzy flashbacky look. Yes, yeah, right. It's like that kind of gauzy look. No, it's um, your eyeballs are half baked. <laughs> they're like half eggs. Baked, they start man. to turn white. <laughs> going back to the pad, that the, going back to the point that there's a lot of non-killy pads in this. I could totally see somebody on YouTube taking the bits from this where everybody's having a good time and totally recutting it into one of those fake trailers for like for a, happy, a teen coming of age comedy, a, a coming of age sex comedy at summer yeah. camp. Yeah, it's like the first. It's like the first fifteen minutes of Hostel. It's like there's nothing scary in this movie they're just going around europe it's cool let's just call it the burning because the the running joke is everybody picks up gonorrhea yeah (laughs) gonorrhea i mean you could even go the other way and make it like a serious coming of age movie and then it's like the burning because it's the deep burning it's the burning desire it's it's paper towns all over again yeah oh not paper towns no man (laughs) i just want to Uh, paper towns you know that's the movie where the guy as he unravels more and more of the mystery he finds out how much little he actually wanted to be involved in the movie that's what happened with paper towns (laughs) i've never seen I haven't either, but it's a good joke. And you know, I'm nothing if not wigging to take a good joke at the expense of facts. So. Heard it was a good movie, I'm, guys. I'm on two true freaks, just saying. But <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, real quick, the uh, um, just so okay. So, Maniac was 1980, right? That's Savini, and supposedly that was so intense for him. Savini thought he'd never be able to do effects again, but he but he was already working on Friday the 13th. Yeah. Then he did. Well, he was already working on Friday the 13th, but then he remember in there maybe. Maniac has got some kills in it that are just 
They're brutal, you know, kind of yeah. thing. But yeah. then the one, the movie he made between Friday the 13th and The Burning was The Prowler. Or no, not The Maiden Song. Yeah, well, I, I always put those two together because they came out almost the exact same time. Yeah, the 80s, 81. I've yeah, never Prowler seen The Prowler, but I know it has a guy getting killed with a pitchfork in it. Well, the, the Prowler is the one at the end of the movie that, uh, you know, kind of thing. Like, they, like the, they, the big kill there is at the end, right? In this movie, the big, the big set piece kill is the middle of the movie. Middle of the movie, yeah. I mean, you know, kind of thing. The, 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 because let's, let's just be honest here. The raft scene is shot amazingly well for how, they, how it's cut together. When you look at it of just raw footage, you're like, God, this looks horrible. Like, Fisher Stevens' hands looks atrocious when you see what it looked like. But when they show the, 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 the shears hitting the wood and coming through, and they show him just snapping it real quick, and his fingers shoot off and blood comes up, and it's a quick cut, you know, your mind doesn't have time to catch up to the fact that, oh, it's a mannequin hand. Yeah. Right. But then, I mean, then that scene where he takes them and slashes the forehead, though, looks like that looks amazing. That looks oh. a really amazing. It almost and, you can almost feel the bone getting hit. In that yeah. One. yeah. Just, but the thing is, they do a very good job. And they did this in, in Friday the 13th as well. Um, if you ever seen the uncut version of Friday the 13th, it has that when he kills the girl in the shower, they purposely make sure the axe hits the, the lamp to give it some mass. So you understand that there's a real axe. And then it's in her forehead, right? right. The, they show you the 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 you know, she stands up with him. That famous scene where he comes up, and that's actually the you know the what you know everything. He he screams. They're like ah, he comes up with it. But they show the shears going into the wood, right? And those are real shears, and it's actually uh, Tony Maitland, um himself doing. He actually plays the killer in most of the scenes, um, slamming the shears in there for real. And there and the thing is Eddie. Uh, uh, is he's he, he he the only thing real on him is up to, is his face up to the, t- to, the t- to the right below his chin. The rest of that is all fake because they have to stab there. So there's they're using real shears, real metal sharp shears to stab into the fake body because he's completely covered by the rest of the wrap. He's protected, but they're coming dangerously close to his face constantly the entire yeah. time, and he can't move. Yeah, he's so, lying on his belly, uh, like behind sandbags, basically, yeah. like prone, basically. Yeah. So he's so if you look at that, like how they shot those scenes and how well it comes off. When you see the raw effect of him stabbing him there, and it's actually in, and then he twists it. They have one. They have they had a shot of it going in. Then it's in and turning. And Savini talking about, I'm going to turn it now. Now I'm going to do this. Now I'm going to do this. And they shot all those scenes, and then the editor cut them all together. It looks like he's taking him and stabbing right in Eddie's, and he's turning it, and you can feel the blood comes right up, very reminiscent of Kevin Bacon's death in in Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, I know people point to, oh, they're the same. Savini is the effects artist on both. Right. You take what you know and you use it again. Savini has redid it. If you if you when, if you ever watch the Prowler, I mean the Prowler the Prowler is available on Blu-ray. It's also known as Rosemary's Killer. Right. Yep. There's things in there. That are from other movies too. Yeah. Well, you know? I mean, but again, you again you work with what you know, and yeah. when you're when you're being asked to do similar types of effects, he was sure, learning. Otherwise. He was learning how to do a lot. He was getting a lot of his idea. Well, you know, besides how to physically do it, but how to make it look from medical 
books and yeah. you know he, he was, was trying to make it look like Vietnam. it really happened so once you learn how to do that why would you want to do it any other way once you get yeah. it right you right. know yeah but i said between that and his uh like i said his service in in vietnam yeah that, he was I mean, a lot of I mean, yeah i mean you a lot a lot of the stuff in maniac because you know savini talks about is is straight from stuff he saw in the war yeah you know I mean, which was... is which is, is is you know it, that adds a whole other level to that kind of stuff. You know that's the thing about Friday that the 13th adds and, that adds to his mo- what is his motivation for his job. You know, yeah. But but you take a look at I mean the violence in in that and the effects in something like Maniac versus here in the Burning. Yeah, it's it's it they they are extremely well done. But by the very nature of them, they are more over the top than Maniac. You know, sure. Because it's a slasher film and not a, I mean just a I mean Maniac's just a you know. It is what it is. Maniac, I think, defies description in a lot of ways. But here, like, like a great example, the, the, the famous scene in Maniac with the, with the shotgun, okay? I've never seen somebody shot with a shotgun. God willing, I never will because I think it's going to look like that, yeah. you know? In, right. in, in The Burning, okay, this ex- that is, but there is a chance in this country that you might see somebody get shot. The chance you're going to see somebody killed with, uh, with, uh, pruning shears, not pruning shears, hedge clippers, pruning, pruning shears would be a lot funnier. That'd be a lot funnier. It's like, <laughs> ow, it's like, ow, will you cut that the fuck out? Ow, stop it. Ow. It's like attacking anybody with like nail clippers. <laughs> but that's why they I take was those just away about to you. say nail clippers. With that's you. why when you get on the airplane, they take that out. You could really pinch somebody really bad with one of those. But, uh, the, uh, it's like a leaf blower. You turn plane around, I blow your hair. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, so so it, it exists it, it's kind of like the opposite of what Argento did we talked about this previously on Deep Red it's something that we're not really familiar with what that's going to be but it's so freaking cool we're, we're on it anyway you know and, and it's just like Jay you were talking about when you cut everything together with mm-hmm. the quick cuts and the effect shots and all of it the reactions it's, it's, you know, it's the power of mise-en-scene and all you guys out there guys and gals who have taken film 101 you know what I'm talking about when I say mise-en-scene all of that in the individual elements of a film are, when they're put together, if they're made well, are greater than the sum of the parts. And that scene is really the, the indicative of the concept of mise-en-scene in a horror concept. Because all of that, that, that I mean, that, that scene lasts, you know, what, maybe 30 seconds all told? Yeah, 30, yeah. 40 seconds 30, at the 45 most. seconds at the, at the absolute most. But it is so well put together. Every second of that is so well planned and constructed that, like you said, it's the set piece of the film. And it's this one little short segment. They, they did a lot of like shots where they just basically swung the camera up from the water and stuff, which may, gave it a real good feel of the raft overturning and flopping around. It was yeah. well done because it's like, you know, if, if you think about the logistics of, okay, Cropsey's laying in the canoe and then stands up and kills everybody on the... A, well, none of them were ready to fight or armed or anything like that. But still, it's kind of logistically hard to to gore kill all those people in 30 to 45 seconds tops. So, so they had to cut... They made it work, though, you know? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't come across as unbelievable. No. It, it comes across as, like, a frenzied kill. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, that's best way to describe it. It's like he's killing them in this frenzy of anger and just just rage. And it's just his rage is coming out. And it's just the blades going through the skin and cutting the bone and taking it, you know, stabbing. And yet the thing is, I mean, be honest with you, think about it. I, I, I say this all the time, people. I said. 
The problem is everyone thinks that they're a hero waiting to be there, right? Can I, oh, if that happened, I would go punch that guy in the face. No, no you'd you would shit yourself. You'd shit yourself and you'd be fucking scared. Okay, these are kids. And again, they didn't tell them and he jumps up and get their, that's their real reaction when he jumps up, right? That first shot of them like, whoa, like it's it's a guy, it's it's the director jumping up with real shears in his hand. <laughs> so they got, oh shit, like, you know, kind of thing. That's what they did. That's the reaction they wanted, all right? So most people freeze. Very few people go into action. That's why, you know, the thing is like, you know, like like they talk about firefighters there. They go in where people are running out, kind of things like that. Most people freeze. Kids especially would freeze. So you, the shock hits you. Then it's just a frenzied kill from a guy who we are believing, not necessarily that it's supernatural, but has just this rage that you can't even understand. Well, he's right? like, it's, yeah, he's a lot like the shape. You know, yes. that, that the early, especially in the first Halloween, you know, Michael Myers is not a supernatural guy. None of that stuff is established yet. He's just a guy that's so angry and has so much hate and anger built inside of him that he can do anything. Yeah. And yeah. he's just a big guy. Right. Yeah. And and the thing is, too, um, you know, when you think about it, he comes up and there's that shock and the who's in the front. The first guys that goes after are the guys. There's yeah. girls in the back. Right. Who the one gets the across the face? Fisher Stevens gets his hands chopped. You know, uh, Eddie gets it right in the and then the throat. And you're like, oh my, okay. Like you could totally see this happening. Like that he's just coming and it's just he's just going with all the intensity in the world. He's moving as fast as he can and he's just trying to murder what's in front of him. You know, it's uh, hopefully you know you never feel that in your entire life. Um, kind of that rage, kind of happening. Uh, um, and, and it's one of those things you should like, wow, like it's, it's a, it's powerful. And it's, and, and again, the scene happens relatively quickly in the grand scheme of the film, but it stays with you, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and just a little side to think about that, like, you know, they, they show when the shears going in, whatever, um, our, uh, I don't know if Luke knows this couple, uh, last year, last spring, I think, uh, my dad was out, shoot, had the shears out and he was cleaning, he fell and he put the shears right through his arm. Yeah. Um, yeah. and. Okay, and my wife is home living and we are four minutes we are three minutes away. He calls my mom. My mom gets home. My dad has a towel wrapped on his arm and he's bleeding out. Right? My mom took him in, they had an emergency, fixed the whole thing. He had stitches in the whole nine, right? Think about that. How many times in your life are you gonna be holding shears, let alone have shears go into you? So that's a real world thing, right? We're thinking about there. It's now I wasn't there because good lord, right? Kind of thing. But uh right, what I'm saying is, but that's a situation where, you know, as Luke said, you might see someone get shot. But you're probably not going to see someone get attacked with shears. Well, they are dangerous. You know they're dangerous. You yeah. can see it. You see what's happening here. You, and as Chris, as his hero said, the slash across the face, that's phenomenally good. Because she goes from screaming to dead in a second. And yeah. you can feel, well, that's how quick someone would die. Yeah. You know? So, um, but yeah, that that scene is 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 very powerful. And if you and if you look at Savini, it was the stuff Savini was doing at that time from Maniac to Friday the 13th to the Prowler to, uh, you know, to um, to the burning. He has that ability to give you the most realistic stuff you're going to see. And then it's up to the editor to edit it properly. So it looks, yeah. you know, intense or whatever. And, and, and then it then it's either, you know, depending on what we're doing, you either get something like this where it's cut almost like a music video with the very quick cuts. Yes. So that we don't really get a good look at anything other than for a second here, a second there versus, again, stuff like in Maniac where the camera is the unblinking eye that lingers on everything. Right. The headshot and, in Maniac. The headshot's a perfect example of that. Yeah. He jumps up on the car. 
the girl screams in slow in slow motion. Savini's the guy who gets shot in the head, yeah. right? Um, they actually shot a real shotgun into the fake yeah. head, yeah. and that's why it looks like it. So, and so as it explodes and the head goes everywhere, and if you see the Prowler, you have a very similar kind of situation. Yeah. When it explodes everywhere, you're like, whoa, that's just crazy. And it's all shot in slow motion. Yeah. It's, this, it's the complete opposite. We're showing you. Look, Luke said, the unblinking eye. Here's the – it's very much like the movie we just talked about, Videodrome. It's there in front of you. You can't look away. This is what it is. And the other one's shot much more like a music video. It's clipped. It's put together. Why? Because it would look fake otherwise. Yeah. You know? the other, and the other thing about the, the Raft Massacre, the Raftaker, as we've taken the it. The Raftaker, is, um, <laughs> it, it's almost It's almost a swerve. Because you watch, now you're watching this film as a jaded slasher film aficionado, let's say. Okay, you got a bunch of kids on a raft. They're going up to one of the canoes after the girl, after Karen freaked out and supposedly left. We know she's dead, okay? The kids don't know she's dead. We have a, a broader depth of yeah. knowledge than the characters. What are we expecting as a jaded slasher fan? We're not expecting uh, five kids to get killed. We're, we're, we're expecting them to find a body. A Jason tableau laid out, yeah. Right, mm-hmm. we're expecting them, them to find a body and start freaking out and start paddling and maybe falling off the boat or something. We're not expecting him to pop up and kill them all, which again, is it's like I said, it's kind of like a swerve. It's playing on our expectation, but almost before the fact, because we talked about this during like Friday the 13th Part 2. At the early days, those formulas were still being made. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's not it's not contrary to the formula because the formula wasn't there yet. This is just playing with the audience expectation a little yeah. bit. Well, there's but also it, it becomes in, stronger as we get more built into the formula. In movies like that, also usually the characters that get killed are the ones that are the ones that are, have the whole storylines around them, and then you have the random like twelve year olds that are in the background. Right. That are just sort of there to populate it and react. But no, some of those get killed <laughs> on the raft pretty uh pretty yeah. soundly. And that's mm-hmm. that's unusual too. You you know, usually it's only the, the characters that you have a real grasp on their character. Well yeah, the thing and is I, they, and they, I they get, have and you, got, and you gotta love also, let's split up because that's always a good that's idea. The, <laughs> and they, they send these kids back. They 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 have two counselors there. They leave yep. both counselors at the camp. They don't send one of the counselors with the kids? Nope. No, they, they, I mean, well, not that it would have helped. They're assuming the danger is where they're at, you know? Right, but, but still. they're not even sure like, there's danger not, at that point, yeah. But but nobody's wearing a life jacket. I mean, you're just setting yourself up for a lawsuit right there. Well, I don't think yeah, anyone was wearing a life jacket while they were canoeing. It was the 80s, yeah, nobody cared. It was cared a lot of different times. Yeah. <laughs> I know. But I'm just saying, it, it, that, that, that to me was one, there's, there's very few kind of leaps of logic in this movie. That to me was one of them that I had a problem with. We should it, talk about the biggest leap of logic, though. The fact that <laughs> the, one of the guys who was responsible for Cropsy getting the shit burn out of him is now a counselor at another camp five <laughs> years later, and they just happened to meet. Yeah, well, and hey. It's the guy who tells the story at Wait. the campfire, too. Yes. Right? And he's telling it all dramatic and stuff. Oh, well, that's, that's such a, a great scene. moment from his life. And he's yeah. like. Well, you know, his therapist said you need to talk about it. You need yeah, to get it out why, there and own it. Yeah. Then why didn't he say, like, it was, you know, the, I was at this camp and we did this and that. That would have made it more immediate. He, he did it totally in that melodramatic, you know, counselor style. 
I was at this camp and narrowly survived serving eight to ten years for attempted manslaughter. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But now, and now that I've told you all this, I'm going to have to kill you. <laughs> well, the uh, <laughs> then we have a whole different movie. <laughs> yes. You ever wonder why people go back to these camps? Just in general, you ever wonder so about? Really, wait, wait! That guy was the guy who really deserved to die in this movie. Right, yes, he was. Yeah, yeah. And he, well, the, he, he's he, well, the, he kind of gets him, and then he's going after. He really that the Cropsy really wants Alfred. Man, he has got a hard on and a half for Alfred. He's just going after. Like I gotta get this kid. Like he's I want to get the kid with the gum. Jesus, he's. He's like, the, he's Alfred's like the guy. pretty creepy, man. Everybody's sort of like, yeah. Even even the killer's like, dude, what the fuck, man? <laughs> Serious, like <laughs> that. That's that quick scene in the cabin where you see Cropsy's face for like a half a second. It's like, ooh, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> please, yeah. it's what we call. Please retain this image for a later nightmare. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Tell me about it. All I thought was, Mister Potato Head, I yeah. love you. <laughs> Yeah, it's with his bucket of parts, man. <laughs> I'm packing you, you angry eyes, just in case you want to kill some camp goers. There was a guy who used to come to our restaurant who sort of looked like that, and his nickname was Spare Parts. Oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus Christ. That's another story for a lot. Uh, okay, oh so um, this movie was actually uh, the first movie to make the video nasties list in this England. Was? It was. It was the first one because well, here's what happened. They were going to release it over there, right? And they, they cut the living shit out of everything. That's what happened. See, they had all these movies going over, and they said, no, no, we can't release it. So they would cut movies way, way down, way, way down. And then you'd have movies that were like, you know, 85-minute running times, running barely 57 minutes kind of thing. Like, they would just cut these movies down. So what happened was this movie was released, and they cut it, cut everything, cut everything out. Well, uh, one company released it uncut by mistake, Right. And having that video actually could get you arrested. It was part. It was the indecency, whatever act. I don't know. They're British. They got things, right? Um, and so having this video, if you owned it, you could be arrested. You were definitely going to have it confiscated. You were fined, and you could go to jail. And so what happens? They said, "Well, this this is the movie. This it's un. You can't have this." So they came. So that what inspired them to start actually making a real video nasty list. Um, at least that again. All the research I did, that's what it came up with. This was the first movie, or one, uh, one of the first movies to appear on the video nasties list, and that incident is what helped spurn it on, releasing it uncut. So think about that. In in England, they were cutting down everything. Every I mean, certain movies just weren't even released over there for Christ's sake. They're cutting down movies. You get a hold of this from this one company, you're like, oh okay, yeah, there's no problem. What? Holy crap! Like you've never seen anything before. <laughs> <laughs> so now think about it. You've now seen like, a bloodless Friday the Thirteenth. If it was released, you saw all these bloodless versions of movies, and then you pop on the burning. It's the unrated cut. <laughs> so funny story about the burning. Real quick, so. This movie was not available. Um, it came out on DVD a few years back, and it's on Blu-ray now, which is beautiful. But this was a movie that was kind of lost for a while. It wasn't available anywhere. It's before there was YouTube and stuff like that that was anything popular. You just couldn't get this movie. So we were talking about, in Videodrome, the ideas of them recording you know, VHS and the tape trading and the black, the, the kind of grayish market and stuff. Well, when you go to horror conventions, there are guys selling movies, right? And that's what well, is that is that video is that comic book conventions too, but whatever. Um, especially at horror conventions, they're selling horror movies. Well, this is a movie that was on my list because it was like, man, I got to set this movie. And I had two guys who were my who were great at getting stuff. They could get stuff that no one else could get. They go, we can't get this. 
No one has it. We can't get it. It was never on VHS, at least anywhere that was any good. It just wasn't available. So we're at Chiller in Jersey. This is a lot, long, long time ago. And a guy standing there talking to my, my buddy, Eben, and he said, um, he goes, yeah. He goes, so do you want to trade for this? Do you want to just, he goes, I only have one copy. And I said, what you, I said, you got the burning there? He goes, I go, I'll buy it from you. And Eben goes, yeah, dude. He goes, yeah, if you want to. He goes, I go, I go, I'll buy it from you. He goes, well, I can't let you buy it from me. I'm like, dude, I'll give you, Eben charges 15. I'll give you 20 bucks for it right now. It's the uncut version. I'll pay you for it. Guy goes, you know what? You want it that bad? Here, take it. And I was like, no way, dude. I can't just take this from you. He goes, no, dude. He goes, take it and make sure other people around here understand that this movie needs to be seen. I was like, all right, great. Now, having never seen the movie, I go home. It's the first thing I watch. I'm like, this is great. You know, kind of thing. <laughs> I'm so glad this didn't suck. Yeah. Imagine this totally blue, you know, kind of thing. Or imagine it gets halfway. No, I mean, but it was, it was just kind of those crazy things. You look for something, look for something. And, and it was one of those movies that was on a list. I had a list of movies that I'd never seen that were not available that I wasn't paying like, you know, $85 or $90 for a v- a used VHS from another country, you know, kind of thing. So, and that's one of the things, this movie was kind of lost for a while and people kind of forgot about it. And it, it's funny how that happens sometimes to films, you know, and this is one of those. And now, now the burnings, you know, if you're, if you're not a horror fan, you don't have any idea what I'm talking about, but you know, then you can, you're probably not listening to this either. Uh, but you know, this is one of those films that has things in it that are memorable, has scenes that or become part of the tropes that be later become the cliches that later become, you know, kind of thing. So. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that that's, like I said, I mean, this was one, I don't think I had heard of it till you told me about it after you got it for free. So there you go. It's uh, you know, it's all the, the great big circle of, of horror video piracy right there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, and, and you know, it, it's, there's a lot of films, these, these early slasher films from the early 80s that, you know, unless you uh, – back in the day, I used to have my old horror uh, movie site, which was Luke's Vault of Horror. I had a term that I kicked around, which was Horror Rack Hanger On. And these yep. were the movies that no one had ever rented, but you saw them every week at the video store. <laughs> Night of the Demons 1 and 2, Sleepaway Camp, you know, Mako, The Jaws of Death, uh, The Great <laughs> Alligator. You know, th- these are the, the Horror Rack Hangers On you know, uh, uh, that, that everyone's really familiar with if you were into the video scene at that point. But this was one, again, it, I just had never heard of it, but it fits so nicely with the other films that came out around it. And what's funny is that this film, even though it kind of disappeared right after it was released, Im- it impacted two other movies in production because there was a movie uh, in production then at the same time called The Burning, which was eventually released as Don't Go in the House. <laughs> And that's the one with like the burning corpses and stuff. I've seen that a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing I know about Don't Go in the House was that the um, – uh, no, I'm thinking of a different movie. Never mind. But uh, then also there was a film called Madman, which was also being shot in the summer of 1980 that was about the Cropsey legend. And then when they got wind of the burning, they did a complete rewrite on Madman. And Madman, which I've never seen, has nothing to do with Cropsey now because they were afraid of it being, you know, thought of as a ripoff of the burning. And both of those films, I mean, I, I mean, I've never seen Madman. The burning was lost for a long time. And all the, the, the these intricate webs that people weave in the realms of cheapo, uh, you know, crap cinema. <laughs> yeah, we'll all, we don't want our cheapo crap cinema we'll compared to that cheapo Friday crap cinema. <laughs> we'll all rip off Friday the Thirteenth, but I don't want to rip off but, Burning. But, 
Right, which were all ripping off Halloween in the first place. I mean, right. when, Gla- when Glazer gets killed, what happens? He gets stabbed through the gut and then pinned to a tree. It's like the same, pretty much the same thing happens to Bob in Halloween. It's yeah. just a closet door and a, uh, yeah. and, a, and a butcher knife. And it's it's a great scene, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's awesome effects, but it's like not not the most original way to off somebody. Right. <laughs> and Madman then was pushed back. It didn't come out until 1982. Yeah. I mean, it's, in January of 82, it finally saw release. And I've seen Madman. Um, it is truly not even, it has nothing to do with the burning. And the way it happened was the uh, um, one of the, the, uh, the girls working on the burning, her boyfriend was working on Madman. <laughs> and she said, hey, I'm working on this movie called The Burning. It's about Cropsey. And they're like, oh, shit. And they went, oh, the I wish that was joke, but that's the way things were. And, and the thing is, the Weinsteins have always, always said that they, they had a, a five or seven page treatment that, about the Cropsey legend that they wrote in 79 and they were shopping it around and they couldn't get any money to back it. And then in April of, of uh, 1980, they actually registered it as a movie. It was called The Cropsey Legend or The Cropsey Killer or something along those lines. The Cropsey Maniac, excuse me. Um, and it was April 1980 and then... Um, it was registered, which is a month before Cunningham's film came out. Now, I, I truly am not naive to think that there is nothing happening between them. But to be honest here is when you look at the killer of Cropsey compared to Mrs. Voorhees, they're not the same killer. Right. Right. If you said Cropsey and Jason Voorhees, I could see similarities, except Jason Voorhees doesn't show up till part two. Right, so that, I mean, I mean, between that and then the campfire scenes are yeah. directly lifted oh, yeah. from this film to be used in Friday the Thirteenth yeah. Part Two. Yeah, it's very but, clear. Yeah, I mean, that there's a lot of that. There's a lot of it, but it's all it's all that same. It's all that same kind of side. It's just a natural. I mean, I it's can, just so such a natural yeah, story a, element it, to go for, like yeah, the fog and stuff like that. Yeah, I but I mean, it's all, but they're all, they're all kind of feeding on each other, you know, sure. it's all part of the same scene. All these, I mean, all these guys either they, knew they each other. They all actually, they all actually spring from the campfire story pretty much. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Simple launch intertwining. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying it's, 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 it's breathe like a, deep. The gathering it's like a, gloom. It's like a Watch symbiotic relationship space. occurring between them because you take, you know, you, you, you get inspired by something and then it makes this, I mean. A perfect example is this. Um, about a few weeks ago, I was speaking with Tyler Green from Face Off. And if you watch Face Off, you know who Tyler Green is. Um, and I was asking him, I said, do you ever have a problem when someone says, make a werewolf? He goes, no, I love making werewolves. And I said, do you ever have a problem not making it, you know, Werewolf of London, the Howling, the Wolfman? He said, you know what? He goes, I purposely, I take inspiration from other people. I try to make it my own. But I truly take inspiration from that. And I, you know, I look at a werewolf and I was like, well, I really love Rick Baker's effects here. I want to take some of those elements and use them. And it's because that's who inspired you. These films, again, granted, we're not talking about high cinema here. We're certainly not talking about Academy Award winning acting. But if you think about it, they all have to have somewhere to build from. If I make a movie and it makes a lot of money, 10 more movies of that come out immediately. It happens today. It happens right now. If you make if you make a, a like uh, what's the, the Hangover right? There were movies just like it. You know they made movies that were very similar to it, and it's all gross out stuff and whatever kind of thing. They did the same thing with the comedies in the eighties. Look at the comedies in the eighties that were successful. There were ones just like it. I mean, yeah. if you think about it. Big 
Then there was uh, 18 again. Well, then there was vice versa. Vice and, versa. Ah, uh, uh, Cameron. Right. But you know what I'm saying? It's like they were the exact same idea. But Big is the one that is was the critically acclaimed one. 18 again, people were like, oh, okay, George Burns is in it. All right. And then vice versa. It, it happens. You know, and I think part of part of the 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 thing is that is that as it is easy to say that they're all the same, right? But it takes actual looking at something and like if you're looking at a movie that there's nothing else like it, right? Uh, um, you know, like Naked Lunch. I don't think of another movie like Naked Lunch I've ever seen. Like, and and you know, you kind of you know comes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there's these are movies about their slash movies. A lot of slash movies are very the same. It's it's okay, and that's a place I like. It's 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 comfortable. You can watch them. Why why do some people like rom coms? Because they like romantic comedies. Because that's where they're they, idiots. Well, no, but you know what, dude? Yeah, like, I know, but they're, I know. They're, the 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 formula warms the cockles of their hearts, much like it does for us as as yes. slasher fans. The, and, the, and it, the conventions of the genre is why we keep coming back to it. Right. Yeah, I'd also like true. to point out that you forgot to mention like father, like son. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> How dare I? Dudley uh, Moore and Kirk Cameron. Yeah. Mike- oh, that's the one with Cameron. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Vice versa <laughs> is the one with uh, uh, with Judge, Judge Reinhold. Reinhold. Judge Reinhold and uh, and uh, Ben Savage. Fred, no, Fred Savage. Fred Savage. Ben the Savage. Honorable so. Judge Reinhold presiding. Yes. <laughs> that's okay. That's more laughs than I got in head office. You know. Oh, the boy. clerk's cartoon. Clerk's cartoon. Yep. Big American party. Yeah. So, oh no, um, bear is driving. How could that be? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the thing is, if you, if you start looking at those kind of things and, and you look at what starts things, um, if you think back, uh, we were talking about Tumor Dracula. And we were talking about how Tomb of Dracula kind of had that universal monster feel. And as we go forward, some other issues, you go look forward to them. They kind of have more of the hammer feel. When you look at, look at Hammer's uh, version of Frankenstein, Curse of Frankenstein, right? It's not a movie about a monster unless you consider that the monster is the doctor. It's, it's, it's Peter Cushing. He's the monster, really. He has a creature he builds who doesn't want to be built. But isn't that the exact same story that they had from the other Frankenstein? But no one said, hey, you're ripping this movie off. No, they're using that story going forward. It's the same kind of thing here. It's just they're really close together. You're making money with one of them. I mean, they, they have, uh, I mean, what is it, Fatal Games? Is that the, that's, that's the one where they that's have the their track meet, right? The, the track meet. Yeah, that's the one where they have, what do you call it? That's where they're at, um, they're at the Olympic camp, right? Yeah. They're getting ready. And they, that they're all killed with like different implements. I think yeah, you the, have the greatest, the greatest track movie of all time, right there. It is. It's it's outstanding. It's better than Prefontaine, um, <laughs> or whatever. I like whatever without limit without limits. Oh, 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 there's one. I forgot what one it is. Where the the, the catchphrase it's it's whatever. Winners come from behind. <laughs> if you're lucky, we, we watched that on the track bus going somewhere. Um, but you look at all hey, those Shuki Levy wrote that song for uh, for Fatal Games. The same guy who wrote all the stuff for Saban Entertainment and the theme song to Mask. And Dinosaurs and Jason the Wheeled Warriors and all that shit. Oh. Jason the Wheeled Warriors. The yep. Wheeled Warriors. Not gonna wheel no more. Mask. That was the one with Rocky Dennison, right? Yep. <laughs> so where, where well, he used well, his mask, face to turn mask. into a robot. And, yeah, with Cher, yeah. she turned into a giant vagina robot. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that. you think about other ones like Graduation Day, Happy Birthday to Me. 
uh, even April Fool's Day, all those other Dorm, ones. Yeah, Dorm that drip blood, all yeah. those. There. Yeah, or AKA pranks. You know, those things are all the same time. They all have interlocking things. They all kind of go together. And, you know, I mean, again, if you like those type of things, the burning's a movie you want to see. I mean, I would hope people have seen it by now. It's one of the, again, it was lost for a long time, but it is, it is good. I like it a lot. Uh, you know, and it's one of those movies that I've seen it a number of times. It's one of those that... Um, if I'm working on a model downstairs in, in, you know, working on, at my desk and I'm working on something, I'll grab sometimes a couple movies off the shelf and just pop it in. That's one that goes in, you know, cause it's like, I know what's happening. I kind of watching it and working, but when the, when the raft scene happens, I'm watching it. I've seen it. It's a, a, it's a 30 second break. No, no. What I'm saying is, but like, but you know, you kind of like, you're kind of watching something and kind of working, you know, kind of thing. Like I don't, I'm not painting at that point, but the air, you know, I turned the compressor off and I'm watching. The airbrush isn't isn't rolling because it's that's I love that scene. It's just like in other films of the same ilk, or you know, kind of you know, or if I would like if you're watching to go totally like like let's say I'm watching Hellboy. Well, there's parts of Hellboy that are just outstanding. Yeah, so that's what you're watching. It kind of just draws you in. Oh yeah, yeah. It like said it drew me in. Yeah, totally. I don't know. I don't, that's the thing about this. This movie is so basic in a lot of ways. I don't know. We have much else to say about it just to say, yeah, it was really good, you know, yeah, because the main, the main attraction from it besides seeing, you know, some of these folks at the beginning of the careers is the, the effects and, you know, the, the, the effects is it's hard to say, yeah, that's fantastic. You know, you got to really see it in order to appreciate it. Well, there's one real quick thing I had right here. The MPA, the MPAA, excuse me, um, they had a whole bunch of groups that were protesting violent acts in movies and things like that, right? Um, especially after John Lennon was killed, right? And the burning was one of the ones that caught the brunt of it. <sighs> this movie was heavily edited, heavily edited. And that's one of the reasons why it disappeared, because they just cut it and cut it and cut it and cut it. And they're like, here, put it out. And it actually opened in Buffalo on three screens and, and two drive-in theaters, right? And it made... Um, it made thirty-three thousand dollars up in Buffalo, right? It only made it made uh, just over two hundred seventy thousand dollars on its release in, in two thousand, in, excuse me, in uh, nineteen eighty-one. They re-released it back in in uh, in eighty-two, and it made seven hundred seventy thousand dollars supposedly, and grossed over a million dollars in Japan. This movie became huge overseas, in the markets that would show it. For some reason in Japan, this thing caught on like wildfire, and it, it was it was one of the biggest grossing movies when it came out there. I think it was the American titties. Well, it might be, it might be, because you know, young. Does that mean they have breasts. to put the digital blur on uh, that chick? No, no, dipping? no, no. It's only that there's no penetration. It's not male genitalia. I thought they blurred out female genitalia too. They do. They do. Yeah, but it, it, they, they they don't have to do all of it. It's all very it's all very um, um, involved. If we have any Japanese listeners, please, I would like to know the rules. Please write to. Please write to. Gotta know the rules before you can break them, hero. Please, please write to freakvault at gmail.com. That's freakvault, one word, at gmail.com. Mark attention hero in the subject line. <laughs> We're waiting to hear from you. <laughs> Mr. Purvison. <laughs> hey, kids, it's your Uncle Purvy. <laughs> oh, well, since I'm going to Cheech and Chong references, I think we've said all we can say about the burning. Yeah, check it out on YouTube. That's all I got to say about yeah. that. Yeah. Won't cost you nothing. 
No, just 96 minutes. <laughs> Unlike 96 tears. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O. T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S You can email 2 True Freaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com 2 True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of... Two True Freaks. And this is your Uncle Don saying good night. Good night, little kids. Good night. We're off? Good. Well, that ought to hold the little bastards.